0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu.
1: Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, May 19th, the race to be the next Chula Vista mayor. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Record high prices and mortgage rates are finally slowing down California's housing market. That's according to a new report from the California Association of Realtors. Sales dropped more than 8% in April compared with the same time last year. California's median-priced single-family home was $885,000 in April. That's up from a previous record set in March. In San Diego, the median home price was $975,000 in April. San Diego's new ambulance provider is being fined more than $400,000 for not meeting response times in February and March. Falk's response times improved in April, according to the company's data, but in a city council committee meeting on Wednesday, city officials said it's not enough. Here's Fire Rescue Chief Colin Stowell.
2: We have about the same service level as we had about a year ago. That is not what we expected in this contract. We expected more and that's what we're that's what we're holding them accountable for.
1: Falk says COVID surges and staffing shortages have complicated their operations. National City Mayor Alejandro Sotelo Solis says she wants lowrider cruising events to continue in the city. Event organizers said they might not be able to put on future events because the city's police department is recommending charging organizers nearly $8,000 in fees. The city will meet with organizers next week to go over the fees and other recommendations. The next cruising event is set for June 3rd. From KPBS, you're listening to Sam San San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the Culture, Communication, and Conflict Certificate. More at ncrconline.com.
1: Chula Vista will have a new mayor for the first time since 2014. Whoever is elected will have to address the city's structural budget deficit and try to bring a four-year university to the South Bay. KPBS reporter Gustavo Solis talked to four of the six candidates in the race.
2: Chula Vista's structural budget deficit is projected to grow to $12 million in less than a decade. And the next mayor will have to address the city's finances. Every candidate agrees that Chula Vista needs to do a better job of attracting businesses and growing its tax base. But how they plan to go about it is very different. City Council Member Jill Galvez says that the city simply needs to watch how much it spends.
3: So going forward, you you always have to be mindful that that things can happen and you don't spend money that you don't have. Um, Right now, what we're facing is high inflation. And so we're seeing the cost of of energy go up significantly. We've seen the cost of gas, which impacts our over 700 vehicle fleet.
2: Sanera Encarnacion is a first time candidate. She wants to take a more proactive approach when it comes to business development.
3: We could really be targeting and be much more proactive than we've ever been at identifying who are the likely work centers or employers to come down to Chula Vista. Let's go talk to them and find out what they need, right? To make that decision. And we need to be doing that two years out from when we know their lease is going to be up, right? Like, we need to be so much more proactive than we've ever been.
2: Amar Kampanajar ran for Congress twice in the East County. He says the current mayor and city council have left a lot of money on the table, particularly from the federal government.
1: And I've heard, you know, our current mayor has gone to meetings and asked for earmarks past the deadline. And it is just unnerving to hear that. That's millions of dollars on the table. And instead of getting those earmarks, we have to raise local taxes.
2: Rudy Ramirez was on the city council from 2006 to 2015. He also says the city needs to do more to attract businesses.
0: I would invest in getting um, this land uh, more ready, readily available for an employer. Right now, if an employer wants to come to Chula Vista, they're telling them, you know, they're four years out before they can start operating. An employer doesn't want to hear that, they'll go somewhere else.
2: The other big campaign issue is a decades-long plan to bring a four-year university to Chula Vista. The city set aside 400 acres of land and even offered leases for as little as a dollar. But nobody has taken their offer. Kampanajar says there's just no confidence in the city's current political leadership to get anything done.
1: I think that it's a lack of confidence in our city. I mean, we have a city where our leadership has not been able to deal with our deficits, has not been able to take out the trash. So investors look at our city, it's like, if you can't take out the trash, how are you going to build a university or a bayfront? What kind of leadership do you have there, right?
2: Encarnacion has university experience. She currently works at Southwestern College, where she helped San Diego State University bring a four-year degree program there. Chula Vista took too long to bring this service to the South Bay, she says.
3: With all due respect to the city, we kind of saw, like, we have to take the range of academic program planning uh, because we're the experts and our students here in South County can't wait for the city to find a uni- university to come and, and do it.
2: Ramirez also thinks that Chula Vista's approach has been all wrong. He thinks that the city should bring research companies to the South Bay first.
0: I think they've, they've uh, been approaching it in, a, in, a, in the wrong way. First hoping that they could, you know, that a UC system or a state system would come down and decide to settle in Chula Vista. You know, I think early on we knew that, you know, wasn't likely to happen.
2: Ramirez added that research companies that work in biotech and aerospace are investing millions in North County. The city should try to bring some of that money south. Galvez says that the city needs to explore private funding options to help lure universities to Chula Vista. She'd like to start an endowment and build relationships with top donors.
4: Past
3: councils have invested millions of dollars in studying, you know, what people want, but but it's you know, getting from there to, to getting to the place of what people will donate to build is another another uh, matter. You. When you go on any university campus, you see that the buildings are named from the philanthropists. The programs are named from philanthropists.
2: Election day is June 7th, and you can already drop off your ballots. The top two vote-getters will face off in November. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News.
1: There are six candidates in the race. Councilman John McCann was not available for a recorded interview. Retired Army Major Spencer Cash declined to answer questions about city finances. After more than five hours of emotional public comments, no decision was made on two proposals for eviction moratorium protections in the city of Chula Vista. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado has more.
5: Renters in Chula Vista showed up in force to Tuesday city council meeting to urge elected officials to pass stronger eviction protection ordinances. Dozens spoke during public comment about the need to extend the eviction moratorium and close renovation loopholes, saying landlords abuse current laws to evict lower-paying tenants. Renter Dora Para broke down in tears when she shared her story. Where are we going to go? I've got two weeks. I've been at this residence 17 years and we're being evicted. They want to renovate. And we're here asking for help. But landlords like Michael Campbell spoke out too, saying creating unnecessary laws to punish a few bad actors is not the solution.
0: I think this is an overreach in trying to
3: solve a problem that is not really significant.
5: Council member Jill Galvez says that after hours of testimony, it was clear that not only did they not have enough city council members to take
3: the vote. It's very confusing. Um, I think that We need to have a better mapped out plan and really address um, how many staff people will need, how many additional attorneys will need to hire the city uh, to enforce our own ordinance.
1: Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. The Chula Vista City Council has postponed voting on the ordinances until July 12th. Amid a nationwide baby formula shortage, there are still places for some of San Diego's most vulnerable families to find their preferred brand. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer says it comes as the FDA has reached an agreement that could reopen a crucial baby formula plant to help ease supply issues.
2: The nation is facing an unprecedented baby formula shortage that's left grocery aisles empty and caused an increase in prices. But the effects are not the same everywhere, says Rosalia Zamora. She's the marketing manager at Mother's Nutritional Center, a company that specializes in products for infants and toddlers, and has four stores in San Diego.
1: We had a customer who just recently came in, and we were very touched because they couldn't find PediaSure anywhere, and this child is being fed via uh, g tube, So for them to find it here made us feel so, so happy.
2: Mother's Nutritional Center sells to individuals that are part of the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants and Children, or WIC, as well as the general public. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
1: In a stunning reversal, the San Diego district attorney this week said it would not retry Jane Dartick. She was convicted of murdering her husband in their Valley Center home and then dumping his body on the road a short distance away. KPBS reporter Claire Tregasser has more on what her freedom means.
4: Now 75 years old, Jane Dartick is truly free after two decades in prison. She always maintained she was innocent. After DNA evidence pointed to a male suspect and an audit found sloppy work by a San Diego crime lab, her conviction was thrown out. Daratek told KPBS Midday Edition the problems at the crime lab could impact other cases because the DA has had to send out something called a Brady letter.
6: A Brady letter
5: basically tells the criminal justice community that this person's reliability of their results, perhaps their integrity in testifying, is no longer
6: to be relied upon.
4: Daratek was represented by a team of lawyers at the Loyola Project for the Innocent, which took her case in 2015. Claire Tregesser. KPBS news.
1: The district's attorney's office sent a statement saying, quote, we have concluded we can no longer ethically proceed with the prosecution of this defendant because the evidence is now insufficient to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Coming up, San Diego's bike to work day is back. Not only is biking
3: to work a really healthy way to start your day, but it's also a great way to address environmental concerns, traffic congestion, and provide people with a great alternative to driving to work.
1: We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. San Diego's first ever climate report card gave mostly good grades to the city and county's top elected officials. Three local environmental advocacy groups put the report together. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more.
5: It is the first time elected officials have been evaluated by their votes on climate-related issues. The news was good for San Diego County Supervisors. Nora Vargas, Tara Lawson-Reamer, and Nathan Fletcher all got A's. Jim Desmond earned a B and Joel Anderson a C. Vargas says the environment is a crucial issue and she's proud of actions the supervisors have taken.
7: I think that this is a reflection of who we are as San Diego and as a region. For us, uh, environmental justice, climate justice uh, is a priority.
5: On the city council, Joe LaCava, Monica Montgomery-Stepp and Vivian Moreno earned A's. Chris Kate got an F on the report card. Mayor Todd Gloria got a C. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: Today is Bike to Work Day across San Diego County. The annual event returns after being canceled for the last two years because of the pandemic. It's organized by the San Diego Association of Governments, or SANDAG. KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman spoke to SANDAG's Antoinette Meyer about the goals of the event.
7: So why is it important to encourage people to experiment with bicycle commuting on Bike to Work Day?
1: Well, not only is
3: biking to work a really healthy way to start your day, but it's also a great way to address environmental concerns, traffic congestion, and provide people with a great alternative to driving to work. Bike to Work Day is a really good opportunity for people who've never biked before because we have so much encouragement, so many other riders that are out there. Um, that can help people uh, with having a good first experience. We will have 100 pit stop locations throughout the entire San Diego region from six o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock in the morning. And all of the pit stops will offer riders free t-shirts if they've registered for the event. That's important. You have to register for the event. And then there's snacks and refreshments. And and some of the pit stops have live music, yoga classes, special themes. It's a lot of fun. So there's a pit stop map that's also um, on our website and you can take a look and map out a a route that will work for you.
7: How many people visited pit stops at your last event in 2019? And do you think this year's turnout could be less as some people are still working from home?
3: Well, in 2019, I think we had about 8,500 registered participants, and obviously we're hoping to exceed that this year. And even if you're working from home, it doesn't mean that you can't start your day with a bike ride before you return to your your home office and log in for the day. Bike with your kids to school, um, go out for some exercise in the morning, Um, bike anywhere, really.
7: As more people are encouraged to bike to and from work if it's possible, is Sandag working on adding more bikeways around San Diego?
3: Yes, we absolutely are. So we have built 22 miles of new bikeways so far in the San Diego region, and there are 20 new Sandag bike projects that are currently in construction, and we'll be opening another 11 miles of bikeways before the end of 2022. So lots of new bike infrastructure um, that's safe for people throughout the region. And we actually have our new hot off the press bike map that has all of the bikeways across the county um, in the map. So it's a great tool for people to use to plan out a route to work or just for fun or for Bike to Work Day. So you can pick up that bike map at any one of the pit stops. And we also have it available online.
7: We're talking about Bike to Work Day and working to encourage more people to try it. Uh, But there are some safety concerns out there in terms of bike paths versus protected bike lanes. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, totally
3: understand that, that people who don't have a lot of experience riding aren't as comfortable, you know, in a lane that's just divided from traffic with paint. So that's why Sandag is building a lot of protected bikeways um, across the region so that the everyday rider can feel safe and can feel comfortable riding their bike um, around the beautiful San Diego region.
7: Do you have any safety tips, especially for new riders? Well, of course, always wear a helmet.
3: Um, And our bike map actually includes some basic safety tips on, you know, signaling and how to ride safely um, in traffic. And then, of course, the San Diego County Bike Coalition, one of our great partners um, for Bike to Work Day, offers classes for new riders. So you can learn how to ride um, in traffic, learn um, all of the safety tips, how to signal. Um, So there's a lot of information out there um, for folks just learning how to ride
7: where can people go to register? So if you go to
3: sandag.org backslash bike months, you'll be able to register, you'll be able to download um, a list of all of the different pit stops and also the bike map.
7: I've been speaking with Antoinette Meyer, Sandag Director of Regional Planning. Antoinette, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Jade. Appreciate it. Happy Bike to Work Day to you.
1: Mud Row is a work by playwright Dominique Mariso about two different generations of sisters, one set in the 1960s and another in the present day. They both live in the same house, and they're struggling with embracing or rejecting their legacy. Director Delicia Turner-Sonnenberg and actor Marty Goebel joined KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans to discuss the production. Here's that conversation.
8: I want to zoom out a little bit, Delicia, which this play is already kind of intrinsically doing by setting the 1960s against modern society. What can you tell us about the social backdrop of this play?
5: Well, in the 60s, one of the sisters is going to protest, for example, sit-ins. So it's early 60s and with protest signs demanding to be served. Right, That's the social movement that she is dealing with. And in the present, the undercurrent of what we're dealing with socially is gentrification and neighborhood change.
8: How do you feel like this is relevant to modern audiences to look back uh, at the 60s like this?
5: Really, one of the things I love about the play, because it's not an issue play, it's an intimate Family play set against a broad backdrop. That's my favorite kind of theater, like a, an intimate story, an intimate human story told against a broad backdrop. And in this particular case, the broad backdrop is social change in America, the history of this particular neighborhood, Mudro, with an added bonus for me of sisterhood and family as we deal with these two sets of sisters and how they love and disappoint each other. And one of the things that comes up for me a lot with the play is this idea of how hard it is to forgive those closest to you and the the breathtaking journey of forgiveness.
8: So this is a play that is set on a street in Westchester, Pennsylvania. So it's a story that's already specifically rooted in a place. I'm wondering, is there a universality to this play? And if so, what are some of those issues that are faced on Mud Row that we can see in other streets, in other cities, in this city?
6: You know, I'm constantly struck by the absence of porch culture, which is something that in many communities, but for me... Uh, universally in the African American community, which is we would sit out and watch the children play, and watch people get their hair done, and be hot or be cool or be cold, and the comings of goings of family or friends into particular homes. And I think one thing that we are definitely losing with uh, gentrification, and as we move forward in you know modern times, is the notion of sitting on the porch and relating to your neighbors because they become an extended family or community. And I think that is addressed in a a very loose way in the play, but it will resonate very richly with um, I think some of the older generations.
8: Delicia, this is one of several times in recent months that you have directed a primarily Black cast in a story by a Black playwright on a San Diego stage. Here, Mud Row, which was written in 2019, there was the brand new 1222 Oceanfront, there was The Garden, and also Trouble in Mind, which was written almost 70 years ago. Does this feel like a shift in the way the theater world is bringing stories to the stage?
5: Yeah, it definitely feels like a shift. Not only that, but the kinds of stories that all those plays you listed are so different from each other. The kind of recognition that that there's more than one Black story, for example. Marty spoke a little earlier about the universality, and I, I think another thing that all audiences will take away from this place is that sense of family and all families deal with conflict and the conflicts in this family, some of them will be very resonant with the audience. This place spoke to me, I mean, it spoke to me in terms of its heart and its overall themes about change, both externally and internally within the family and in the world and also within self. Those themes are also universal.
6: Can I piggyback on on this? This is actually in 20 years of work as an artist that works internationally, this is literally the second play in 20 years that I have been in with an all-Black cast and a Black director. It doesn't happen that often, and I would sure love to see it occur more. So the specificity of this production is sadly applicable to American theater. And we do need to see more of that.
1: And that was actor Marty Goble and director Delicia Turner Sonnenberg speaking with KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon Evans. Mudrow opens at Signet Theater. Opening night is this Saturday, it's on stage through June 19th. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at KPBS.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.